Hey, Ash. Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater. And today, we are so excited and honored to have a guest with us in the room. You may not be seeing him, but we are seeing him. We want to give a big welcome to Leo Yuning Chang. Welcome, Leo. Hello. Thank you for joining us. We're so excited that you're here. Likewise, I'm. my heart is pumping so hard right now. I'm <laughs> very excited and honored to be here. And we're really excited because Leo is actually talking to us from Taiwan. And so, uh, you know, the amazing uh, technology we have these days allow us to have these conversations from across the entire side of the globe. So we are honored to have you here, Leo. Thank you. A little history and background of Leo. Leo Yuning Cheng is a bilingual performer and educator born and raised in Taiwan, where he co-founded an award-winning a cappella band, Guess What?, Upon earning his MFA degree in musical theater from San Diego State University, Leo took the faithful leap. He moved to New York City and soon made his off-Broadway debut in Revelation the Musical. Leo is currently on faculty at Marymount Manhattan College and serving as a teaching artist at New York City Center. His selected credits include Bubble Boy, Farewell My Concubine, a reading, Mr. Holland's Opus, a reading, Thoroughly Modern Millie, Company, The Full Monty, and Enchanted April. And you can check him out on his website and his Instagram that I will link below in the description so you can find out more about Leo after you hear about our conversation with him. Thank you so much for that introduction. We know everything about you now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're, we are huge fans of you in many, many, re- in many, many ways. Uh, so we usually start off our podcast with uh, a puzzler. It's a trivia question rooted in musical theater. So we usually uh, ask the question at the very beginning, and then we circle back at the very end of the episode, and we answer it together. So That's here's one of my the... favorite part as well. <laughs> That's what everyone says. Know, everyone, everyone says, says the puzzler is their favorite part. <laughs> and I always try to pick one that's like not, you know, even if you move in musical theater circles, it's not like super typical. Mm-hmm. So here's the puzzler for tonight. What musical won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 2020? Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So uh, if you know the answer out there, hold tight. We will circle back at the end of this episode and we will discover that answer together. Leo, we would love to start off with a first question. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts about the current state of musical theater and the direction that it's in right now? Ooh, I, it's such a big question. I know everyone um, says I know we're, that. <laughs> we're famous for dropping these like big questions right from the get-go. Love it. Love it. So, well, if you are talking about now, I think the past year or so is very special, right? And in terms of the current state, I think it depends on how we look at it and at which angle we are looking at. Um. Of course, we can see it as a disadvantage because Broadway and live theater literally stopped for more than a year, right? And and that is true. We all miss it and can't wait to go back. And some people might think that we have come to a come to a halt. But I think this pause is a great opportunity for us to reflect on what has been created and what has not been created and what changes need to be made. And of course, I'm not saying that everything has stopped because many of us, we are still writing and creating and recording podcasts, right? (laughs) Which is amazing. 
Um, but I think now it's a good time to reevaluate our industry as well as in academia, such as what kind of shows should we produce when theater comes back, and what are the voices that we haven't included on the stage or in our curriculum. And I do think that we are slowly moving towards the direction that is long overdue for the global majority.、Um, and I remain hopeful because I see a lot of positive changes and actions from my students and the younger generation, and their energy and the dedication they have in promoting equity and inclusion are just so infectious and exuberant. And they constantly inspire me and hold me accountable. And I learn so much from each of my student. So yeah, and and from them, I also learn the courage to speak the truth without the fear of consequences. So I think I'm 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 remain remaining positive about the directions and the changes that we are seeing right now. No, that's that's exactly how I feel, and I agree with you one hundred percent. You know, it's very easy to be pessimistic. Uh, given everything we've been through, but I but I like to look at the bright side of the equation of everything that you know we are going to be holding each other accountable to, and everything we are going to strive for、uh, to make continue to make positive change in 2021. And I know we've worked together extensively in in many different arenas, but I, I'm just I'm just super excited to see where the future lies. Yeah, exactly, and not just holding. Ourselves and each other accountable, but also holding ourselves and each other accountable on、mm -hmm. the actionable steps that we can take towards the future that we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. I know that you recently left New York City to go back to Taiwan. What has been the difference in theater? Performance, because I know you're actually you're performing and working right now and doing cabarets. How how is、yeah. that for you where you are right now? Well, it totally feels like a different world. Really, because I'm very grateful for Taiwanese government and the citizens here who are abiding by the rules、um, of social distancing and wearing masks and. Every possible steps that we took contributed to the fact that we can live our normal life. As you know, we are still wearing masks, but we can still go to restaurant.、Uh, we can still have concerts, cabarets. We can still go to movie theaters and gyms. So it, it's really exciting to see that this part of the world is still going. And we are still, you know, living a normal life. I, I know some people might be very jealous of me, and I consider it as a huge honor to be here in Taiwan currently.、Um, but I think that could be a very great experience, a lesson for other countries to to learn as well, and so that we can. Together, get rid of COVID as soon as possible. Yeah, I agree, and and I think it it's so interesting that the United States hasn't been talking about what Asia has been doing right、uh, from the, from the onset of this pandemic. 
you know, and I think there's a lot to be learned from from what has occurred and what the steps that uh, many countries have taken in Asia to get to solve the problem and getting yeah. them back to getting us all back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah, exactly. Because I remember last February when I was still in New York City, it was right. It was like a month before Broadway got shut down. And at that moment, I've been monitoring the news in uh, from Taiwan, so I knew what was coming. So mm -hmm. I started wearing masks when I was on um, the subway, on the street, and people were moving away from me when I was on the subway because they saw me as an Asian and wearing a mask. But I was actually quite glad. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. you know, keep away from me so that I don't contract the virus. Um, and sadly at that time, my dad called me and he was like, uh, do you have to wear a mask when you're on the subway? Cause he was worried about my safety. Hmm. Um, but I told him that's what I work out. That's why, you know, if someone comes, comes at me, I'm, I will stand up for myself. Yeah. So Leo, I want to ask you the next question, um, bringing it back to the theater. Uh, where are your passions right now? What, where do your passions lie as far as the advocacy work in musical theater specifically? I'm sure we all share the same passion, which is advocating the equity and voices for our global majority members, right? Um, but to me, that is also a little broad. But specifically, I would say... Um, creating platforms and giving voices to the unheard. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm very passionate about new works and new musical development, because we get to hear so many fresh perspectives, voices and sounds that we haven't heard before. And in fact, uh, I have done more readings than actual shows since I moved to New York City. And I love the process so much. Mm -hmm. And Another big part of my passion is to advocate for international student and artist in musical theater, because this journey, which I've personally gone through and is still going through, is extremely difficult. And I'm sure you both heard me complain about <laughs> it before, right? Because most of us grew up speaking another language, so learning English at least for me, it was quite challenging. And I've made so many embarrassing mistakes, just like the one we <laughs> talked about before we started recording, right? Um, and on top of that, you have to immerse yourself in a total, totally different culture and environment. And not to get sidetracked, but I did not know what racism mean until I arrived in the United States. Hmm. And as... As an international artist, while dealing with the language, culture, food, homesickness, and, you know, a lot of other things, and money, right. we also have to fight for our rights to stay in this country. And the struggles that we have to go through could be a podcast itself. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, and we have often been overlooked. So that's what I'm very passionate about, mentoring international students and children of immigrants on the process of college and grad school audition, as well as the process of applying for their student visa, working visa, etc., to stay in the United uh, to stay in the United States and continue their career in musical theater or performing arts. 
And Leo and I both went to San Diego State University, Mm -hmm. got our MFA. Woo! I don't even, I honestly don't even remember what our what our um, mascot was because I didn't go to games. Did you? Aztecs, I think. Oh, the Aztecs. Yeah, yeah, the Aztecs. We go were just Aztec. in go Aztecs. We were just in in one dungeon like for two years straight. So I know in that basement, right? Oh my gosh, it's insane! If anybody out there went to San Diego State, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> one little yeah. no windows, no nothing. <laughs> I'm I I love beach so much. I'm a you know I love surfing, diving, da da da, and. I think the times that I went to the beach when I was at San Diego State was, I can count with my fingers. Absolutely. Same. You were all so busy. You know, you were just in, either if you're not in in the classroom, you're in the archive or you're, you know, you're you're constantly just writing or working on projects or something. Exactly. I think something that was so interesting that you mentioned was you've done a lot of readings. And you did a lot in San Diego while you were in grad school. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they started a readings when I was there. And so you were the class, a couple classes after me, and you had even more yeah. than, than – than we only did one, but you did even more, yeah, well, which is great. We we did one, uh, a big one. It was like a 10 days. It was a absolutely wonderful experience to get to know – the creators and how a musical came into existence and knowing that it's a start and we have to go through so many changes and edits. I remember um, getting an entire new scene the next day uh, or, you know, a a lot of the songs have been changed or cut or added the next day. Mm -hmm. And you just have to be like, Great, that's a challenge for today. Here we are. But that is so valuable for a student as well because when we step into the professional world, we constantly have to, you know, run into these kind of opportunities. Mm -hmm. And if you know how to handle it, it's so much fun. But if you don't have the experience, you might get panic, right? Right. And I think so. one one part about those readings, which is so helpful for us, is things being cut that maybe you really loved your song is cut. Or when we we did Ryan Scott Oliver's musical, the gothic thriller, um, We Foxes. We Foxes. And we 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 found out that one of the roles ended up getting cut. It, it never made it beyond to a big production a few workshops, but a role got cut. And so it's interesting to kind of find that what is the best for the musical, even if that means, you know, your favorite part getting cut out of it, what's what's the best for the production. And it's such a good experience, I think, for people to learn. Exactly. And the next question we wanted to just get your thoughts on is, is there anything that really needs to change in our current industry? I know there are many <laughs> yeah, I, I was about again, to say that. Pick one. <laughs> again, many, many things. <laughs> yeah, I was like, each question gets bigger and bigger and deeper. <laughs> yeah, you know us. Yeah. We, we are so serious here. But just like you said, Ashley, um, there is so much that needs to be changed, both on the stage and in academia. Um, but I think it's always going to be this way. Because when Rogers and Hammerstein wrote South Pacific, they wanted to 
quote unquote, solve the racist ideas and issues in the 40s. And they wanted to make changes. But now when we are looking at it, it, you know, we realize that shows like South Pacific, written by white people about another race experiences, takes away the narrative from the marginalized communities and often creates false stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here saying that I'm against writing, directing, or creating stories about a community or race that one does not identify. But if you decide to do that, you have a ton, a ton of work to do. I'm talking about in-depth research, interviews, and traveling and living in that specific country or region for a period of time, if that's possible, to really get to know the culture and how people speak, walk, and live in that area. And also, I think representation, we talk about this so much, but it's so important, both on the Mm -hmm. stage and in academia. I cannot tell you how many times after a show, some children or teenagers would come up to me saying how inspiring inspiring they are to see someone who looks like them Mm -hmm. and or have similar journeys than theirs. And I also got this a lot, which is, you are my first Asian teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. And really? Yeah, I got that a lot, um, oh. especially from younger kids. And I know it's changing now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not discrediting the efforts that many theaters and educational institutions are putting in. But we do need to see more representation. Yeah. As as a college adjunct professor who identify as an Asian and a foreigner, honestly, I haven't seen anyone like me, mm-hmm. to be totally honest. And though I'm very grateful to have so many wonderful mentors in my life, including you both, um, but I couldn't find someone who had gone through the same process when I was facing those challenges. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think representation, it's, we, we, people might think we talk about that too much, but we cannot address that enough for someone to see someone who looks like them that they can follow suit or, to yeah. imagine themselves in those positions. And I think that is very inspiring if that happens to anyone. And so often we find ourselves, you know, because I've been on the side of hiring committees at our college and uh, not just our college, but in general. And it has always been a challenge that I've come up against. Uh, when I speak to my colleagues, they I say, we need to make it a point to to diversify our faculty. We have to, it's a, it's, it's a must. And oftentimes we are hit up against the, the challenge of, well, they just don't apply, but then we need to go farther than that. We need to actually do the work and go out and seek those people from the global majority that have an interest, but maybe haven't been guided properly through, you know, how to submit uh, a CV or, or get your materials into the right people. We have to set up resources for people to of color and from the global majority to be able to have access to those job opportunities. We can't just expect them to come in the door when we put out a post. We have to go a step further, right? 
Yeah, because they not they might not feel they are qualified, even mm -hmm. if they are overqualified sometimes. Yeah, or they might think it's not the place for me. It's not safe for me. They don't want to hear my voice. So what you said, Tim, was so wonderfully put. We really need to go out there. Not just for our faculty, for our students as well.、Mm -hmm. If you want to present a diverse student body, it's not just checking the box. How many or what is the percentage of Black students or Latinx students, Asian students that we have? If you really want to reach that, the true definition of diversity, we need to reach out, just like what Tim said, and.、Mm -hmm. It, we might make mistakes along the way, but we have to take that step, and I don't think there's other way around. And I know that Tim and I have both watched your presentations that you have done, and <laughs> brilliant presentations. So, thank you. <laughs> so well done. The way that you present and the way that you tell stories about what you have been through, your career, your path—it's really truly inspiring because. Even though I don't know your your path and what you went through, I feel like I got a bit of a world into it, and so I had a better understanding of what you know you've gone through in your career and your life, which is very different, you know, even from from mine.、Mm -hmm. And I think the more that we more that we hear from folks with different voices and different、um, different just paths in life, the more that we're going to understand. And the idea that. You are willing to present and say, "Hey, this is what I went through. This is how I got to get my graduate degree. This is how I became a college professor." The more someone else like you is going to be able to say, "Oh my gosh, that person did it. I can do that too." And and now they have a resource. And I think it's also giving a lot of students resources to say, "You know, go 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 see if you can meet with this person." Go see if you can check. I've done that a lot with students.、Um, I've sent them to your your website, your content, because it's just nice to see somebody else that looks like them. And I may not be able to offer that to them, but we need to allow people the opportunity to say, you know what, I can't help you right in this in this area. I really want you to go check out this person. The more people that are that are in our industry that are different, the more resources we're going to have to help、mm -hmm. each other. Exactly. Yeah, and I I really appreciate what you do for your students is the willingness to say I don't know, but this is what I can help you, and I think that's also one thing that as educators we have to learn, and we we and we need more curiosity as well. We need more willingness、yes. to sit with no answers. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, and be willing to say, "Hey, I don't know the answer to that." And that、question. takes humility, you yeah, know, with the students, and the students know that. And if we're talking about、uh, academics, but also on stage as a director,、mm -hmm. saying, "You know what? I don't know the answer to that, but let's discover it together. Let's educate ourselves together and become more whole." Yeah, and that holds each other accountable and creates a sense of community, so、right. that the student thinks that, "Oh." We have the liberty. We have the authority to not dictate, but to contribute to their、mm -hmm. own education and to the works that we are working 
together. Well, and dismantling that patriarchy that existed for so long that has still existed, which is the director comes in and the, whatever the director says goes. And we have to, you know, we are subjected, we are, we're subject to the, the words of the director versus us coming into the space and saying, yes, there is someone driving the ship, but we are all in this together and we are going to guide, to collectively guide us to a destination. And then everyone has a sense of ownership on the, on the work. Exactly. Just like yeah. rowing a boat. Exactly. Everyone yes. has to do their work, right? Absolutely. I love that. That's a good analogy. I like that. You're so well, good with I was, painting pictures. <laughs> well, honestly, I was in the rowing team um, at San Diego State for my first semester. What? What? Yeah. How did you end up? What? This is okay. like fun fact of the, of the episode, I feel like. And we had to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. And at that time, I didn't have a car. So my coach would come to my apartment and pick me up and take me to either the school or to the beach. And we had to practice almost every single morning. Oh, my gosh. I enjoyed it so much. But I was like, well, if I'm going to finish my degree here <laughs> at San Diego State, I can't do it anymore. So regret regretfully, I... Stop doing that um, the second semester, but I enjoyed it so much. Now, is this rowing or crew, like 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 the uh, the team rowing sport? Yes, yes, yeah. the team rowing sp uh, sport. Oh my gosh, yeah. that takes a lot of strength too. Yeah, but it was so much fun, and it was teamwork. It's yeah. about teamwork. Yes. Yeah, there's someone who's guiding us the direction, but every single person on that boat has to row together in the mm -hmm. same speed mm -hmm. and if someone is slowing slowing down or speeding up it's gonna mess up the entire boat yeah everyone is working together i love yeah. that i love that so sorry for sidetracked uh, you no, know I think that's, that's great <laughs> that's the stuff we love to hear about you great um the last add, question, add that to the resume we will special yeah you need skills. to put that on your special Good. skills special Special skills right there. Oh, when there was a musical more, about crew. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing is I just got my open water diving license last week. So I'm going to add that to my resume what? as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. That is so cool. So the next time you come back to California, there's all these wonderful diving spots all over even the San Diego area. Yeah. Yeah. We should plan a trip. Hey. Sure. Yeah. There's a there's a um a scuba diving certification place right around the corner from our house. I should go get cert so when you come we can go uh we can go diving off of a Catalina. That's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> Mark my right. calendar. It's done. Put it in your calendar. <laughs> Great. So we have one more question for you, Leo, that kind of point sure. us in towards uh, some of the projects that you're working on, or do you have anything coming up on the horizon? Yeah. Um like what Ashley mentioned, I'm doing a cabaret uh, with a few friends of mine. We are all um, coming back from New York at this time. Um, so, you know, this this cabaret is talking about our journeys pursuing a career in musical theater in New York. So we named this cabaret as I Hope I Get It. Yeah, so it, it's really fun to just be able to sing and perform and share our stories. Um, and I really enjoy, in, I'm enjoying the rehearsal process so much because we miss that feelings a lot, right? Yes. Um, and also, I'm currently creating a series of online classes about American musical theater history 
in Mandarin. What? That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it takes us so much time, and I- I'm very excited about it. Um, but I'm only at um, season two or episode two, if you would. But each mm-hmm. episode has like six or seven um, short episodes yeah. in it. So yeah, uh, it's really fun to incorporate the the American musical theater history as well as my personal experience to introduce this art form to um, the Mandarin speaking audience because here in Taiwan or in other Mandarin speaking countries, people love musical musical theater so much, and we are also trying to create our own culture. Of the you know the local musical theater industry, however, a lot of people also want to uh, copy. Might be a little strong. Emulate, just, yeah. yeah. Emulate the the art form, which mm-hmm. I think is great. But if we want to do that, we also need to understand the history of it, mm-hmm. so that we know. Okay, these are the things that we can learn, but these are the things that they. You know, we're doing wrong or not appropriate, so that we can learn from this lesson, but not necessarily learn what they have done. So that is, that is so exciting, Leo. Uh, yeah. Especially because you're you're informing about how the craft began, but now it's like, okay, it's up to us to take control over how our culture influences. Mm-hmm. The musical theater experience, so it now becomes an international exchange and not just an American art form. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do in the future: is to bridge the musical theater. We see a lot of collaboration now, you know, in different countries between different countries. But I, I'm eager to see more bilingual productions, mm-hmm. and you know, more stories that talks about other countries or other cultures. Without the need of explaining a lot of, it, not that we don't want to explain the background and history, but we don't have to explain the reason why we exist. If that yeah. makes sense, yes. race isn't the issue. It is, you know, it just happens to exist within the context of the show. Yeah, and it's all about human being experiences. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's why we tell stories, right? Beautifully said, Leo. That's a perfect way to segue into the answer for our puzzler. Tim, do you want to give us the puzzler and we'll, we'll, we'll find out what it is and talk about it together? Absolutely. So the puzzler was, what musical won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama in 2020? And the answer, and the answer is, is, let's answer it together. Strange, Strange Loop. 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 Yes, absolutely yes. correct. So a little bit about Strange Loop. Uh, the plot. So we have this character, Usher, is a black queer writer working a day job he hates while writing his original musical about a black queer writer working a day job he hates while writing his own original musical. Uh, Michael R. Jackson's blistering momentous new musical follows a young artist at war with a host of demons, not least of which the punishing thoughts in his own head in an attempt to capture and understand his own strange loop. The show, a couple uh, small facts that you may not know about Strange Loop. The show is the 10th musical ever to win the award, the Pulitzer Prize Award for uh, for drama. It's also the first musical to win the award that is created by a Black artist's, 
artist, and it is the first musical to never have a Broadway run to win the Pulitzer Prize for drama. And wow. a lot of people may not know this show. If you have not heard the music, it is fantastic. It's amazing. I can't agree more. I I just keep it on the loop and I can't stop listening to it. That's, that's strange that you keep it on a loop, right? <laughs> oh gosh, that was terrible. That I may keep that joke. on right I think it's also interesting because we were talking about musicals because um, you've done so many readings mm -hmm. and how this musical never had a Broadway run. It's a very small musical. I think it's like six or eight characters. It's very, very small. And the idea that we all think these big musicals with, you know, a big spectacle is something that a lot of people are paying to see, especially we have the Disney shows and the, you know, the, the big Andrew Lloyd Webber shows that s these small musicals can have just as much impact because we're focusing on the story and different stories and different people and different cultures. And I, I think it's just such a, a wonderful um, moment in our in our history for it to win the Pulitzer. Well, and Off-Broadway is such a wonderful playground to experiment mm -hmm. and take risk. And I don't even call it risk, just experiment in form, yeah. in storytelling, because um, you don't have to worry about the financial risk as much. Yeah. And I think it gives us a lesson that we need to redefine what success means mm -hmm. for us. Absolutely. It's not just about going to Broadway or making it big or becoming a music a movie musical, but it's the impact that it has to our community, to mm -hmm. our next generation, to people like us to really see the possibility of our own stories being featured on a major platform or not necessarily a major platform to be seen and heard on any sort of platform period yeah 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 well we have been in conversation with the amazing leo yuning chang uh and uh, he's a friend he is a colleague and uh, I, I'm excited, Leo, when, when, when we see you in New York at some point, we are going to give you the biggest hug you've ever had. <laughs> we have been through so much this year. And, uh, and uh, I'm just really looking forward to having an opportunity to share a drink with you uh, when we see each other in person. And scuba diving. And, and scuba, scuba diving. diving when you come to California <laughs> to visit. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you again, Leo. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much.